Hello, I'm Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. And today, like every episode, it seems, I have an amazing person on the show. Um, Angela, Angela, Angela and I both, let me say that in English, um, Angela and I both uh, are members of a club we didn't ask to join and certainly one we can never leave. Yet there are ways that we can honor those no longer with us and raise awareness and uh, try to get the, the, the attention focused on some things that maybe the media doesn't want to spend a lot of time on. And so today, Angela Parkerson is from Owensboro, Kentucky. And uh, Angela, I'm going to have you kind of start things off today. Just uh, introduce yourself, kind of where you're from. And then I want to spend so much time talking about the awesome things you've done to okay. honor your son and, and even honor Seth uh, along the way. So with that, thank you for being on the Living Unanswered podcast. And um, again, appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk to you. Um, yeah, so I'm from, I'm originally from Bardstown, Kentucky. I live here for work. Um, and I just kind of, like you said, I'm now in this club I don't want to be in. And it's just the worst thing. And every everything about my life is different. Everything has changed. I don't talk to the same people. I don't hang out in the same places. I don't have the same job. Um, after my son was killed April 22nd um, in Bardstown, Kentucky, um, I, I took off work like six months uh, mm -hmm. for short-term disability. And during that time, after my 12 weeks, I was let go of my job. So even my job, oh, you wow. know, I didn't have. So I have a new job and all of this stuff. And, and I cut ties with my family of origin at but for choice, it's it's not because I don't love them or care about them. It's because I had to love and care about myself. Mm -hmm. And um, so everything I've done, it's just been happening, happening, happening. I created a, a group on Facebook to help myself um, because I, I was alone in my grief. Um, and I, I didn't have anybody with me. I live alone. I have three surviving children. I didn't mm -hmm. want them to be burdened with my grief when they're mm -hmm. dealing with their own grief from losing mm -hmm. their brother because all of my kids were, you know, very close, uh, very close to Nick. And um, I started a group on Facebook called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Love Unconditionally love and accept yourself just as you are because the people that I was around they say the, the things like, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be okay. Right. It gets better. I lost my cousin. I know. Or I lost my dad or mm -hmm. whatever. And, and I'm like, well, I lost my dad too. And this is different. Mm -hmm. This is different. Mm -hmm. This is not something I, I'm ever going to get over. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm learned to live with it. And I don't let people tell me how, I'm, how I should or should it feel? And I, I don't want other people to have to do that either. So I created that as a safe space to be able to talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about mm -hmm. um, and, and not have anybody change it to make themselves feel more comfortable. You know what I mean? Because my why does my upset bother you? Right. <laughs> if I'm not okay, why? And they want to medicate me and, you know. Well, I, I do want to talk about something and someone. I want to talk about Nick. Yeah. So I recognize your shirt, except mine yeah. says never alone, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I love you for that. That was just mm -hmm. such a great gift I got in the mail and the project you're doing. But before we get to your absolutely amazing project fueled by passion, obviously, let's talk about Nick. Go back. Yeah. Tell us, tell our, tell my listeners, tell my followers a little bit about Nick so we can relate to exactly the type of kid that he was or person that he was yeah. and um, the struggles and the journey that he was on and, and kind of what happened. Okay. Well, Nick, how do I describe Nick? Um, he's my favorite person. Mm -hmm. I always refer to Nick as my dude, my guy. I don't call him my best friend because we didn't talk about things that, you know, about me and, and things like that. But he was just my favorite person, mm -hmm. somebody I always wanted to, I just admire him and his 
courage and his strength, just being unafraid. To, he, he could see the big picture of everything always. And, you know, life and always wanted him to be a certain way. I call it the X, Y, Z theory, you know, like you got to be X, Y, and Z. And if you're not X, Y, and Z, then something's wrong with you. And Nick mm-hmm. wasn't X, Y, Z. Nick was A. And the environment Nick grew up in, it was like, you know, his dad wanted him to be X, Y, Z. And I was like, well, Nick, you're an A and you're the best A ever. But around your dad, be X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. you know, or go to this church that you don't believe in or whatever and and do it because these people, you know, it's okay to be you, but not. Mm -hmm. And that kind of thing. But Nick's just he would show up with you. He, he loved hiking. He loved spending time with people. He loved skating, skateboarding, um, just being with people. He was an uncle. Hmm. Uh, He had seven nephews and a niece and they love Nick. He spent time with them. He listened to them. He played with them. He bought them all guitars for Christmas one year. He wanted to teach them how to play he guitar or just spend time with them. And, you know, he's just people when Nick, when Nick died, people told me, I'm so sorry for your loss, you know, and I appreciate that. Right. I do. But I would say I'm really sorry for yours because you really don't know what you've lost because Nick is just was just you know he's that way Mm -hmm. he just make you feel comfortable and have fun and i I still it's only been 11 months and i still can't believe that he's not here yeah um and nick didn't have what you would call um a a struggle with substance use disorder anything like that he did smoke pot um he drank alcohol He always said he never felt like he got drunk or got high or anything. Nick was diagnosed as having Asperger's growing up. Um, And he was just kind of socially awkward a little. You know, he was the best friend in the world, but he was kind of gullible, kind of naive. Just, you know, easily manipulated, taken advantage of. But I, I always worried about that. But... He didn't, he didn't care. He just showed up. He didn't care, you know, where someone was from, what they did or anything. He, he was against, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) He was just like, he didn't care about money and wealth and things. He just cared about truth and Mm -hmm. people and how you were. And I follow him every day. I always have. I didn't even realize it, but even now, I mean, I follow that, that truth, that passion, you know, Nick is a lot like me in a lot of ways because I, I I mean, I've always known because Nick and I were probably the closest. We Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time together hiking and, and doing a lot of things, but I just, he didn't, I don't even know how to, I still don't understand what happened. Yeah, I. I my that. mom, I get a call on April 22nd of last year. I'm in bed and my it's my mom and she's like, you need to come up here, which is Bardstown, which is two hours from where I live. And I was like, well, I'm getting ready to get up and go to work. And she's like, you need to come up here. And I was like, what? She's like, it's Nick. I said, what's wrong with Nick? And she was like, Nick's dead. Nick's dead. I was like, what do you mean Nick's dead? Like, first of all, don't call me saying this stuff. And I was alone, of course. So I just kind of walked into my living room and just started screaming and beating like on the floor. Like, this can't be true. This can't be Mm -hmm. true. And then uh, I said a little prayer to Mikey. Mikey is uh, my oldest son, Brandon's friend, who had died in a car accident when he was 21. And I said... Mm. Mikey, they just said that Nick is with you. And I don't believe them because they're not telling the truth. But if if for some reason it's true, I need you to find him right now and, and stay with him. And then somehow I got in the car because I didn't have anybody to take me there. I had to drive two hours to go to Bardstown. And I had convinced myself that Nick was my, you know, my mom was didn't know what she was talking right. about that Nick right. was in the hospital so I was 
driving to go to the hospital to see Nick and and my son, my oldest son called me and he was like, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to go to Firestown and find out. He was like, no, what's going on? I said, well, they said that Nick is dead and they're oh. wrong because, you know, Nick is not dead. He's at the hospital. And he was like, let me call. And he went over there. Then he calls me back and he said, where are you? And I said, I'm on my way to the hospital. He was like, mom, you can't go to the hospital. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to the hospital to see Nick. He's like, Nick's not at the hospital. I was like, well, where's Nick? He said, mom, he's at the coroner's office. And I said, no, he's not. And he said, um, yeah, he is, mom. He said, just come here. And I was like, well, I'm going to the coroner's office. If Nick's at the coroner's office, then I'm going to the coroner's office. And he was like, well, why don't you come here and we'll both go. Which, you know, by the time I got there, then I realized, you know, that it was true that Nick was actually gone. And, you know, it was just a complete shock. All I know is they said that they had found a half a pill in his room. Um, To my knowledge, Nick had never taken pills or anything like that, you know. And now all of a sudden, he's dead from taking a pill. Of course now that time has passed and and I have access to some of his messages and things like that I've put some things together to where I see you know he um had worked at Pizza Hut in Louisville and it was in July of last year and this woman he worked with offered him um, a pill um he had had a car accident then, but I don't know why he took it. I don't know yeah. anything, but he did. How old was and he? Nick's 24. I mean, so many similar stories. Seth, yeah. our son, worked at Pizza Hut too. Yeah. Uh, he was 23. The, probably the biggest difference is Seth did battle substance abuse and addiction for almost five to six years prior to his death, whereas Nick's situation was much more... Um, the new paradigm, I guess, is, is yeah. you know, is covered so much on, on your po- your Facebook rooms right. is that kids are dying, adults are dying mm-hmm. of of pills laced with fentanyl that, that they're not the substance abusers. They're not the addicted right. ones. Right, um, because Nick had been, um, Nick had just graduated in co- college in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was right around the time of the pandemic. So... I had moved back to Kentucky for, I was living in Florida to help my youngest daughter um, acclimate to college because she mm-hmm. was having a little hard time adjusting. But I came back, I came back to be with Nick, to spend time with Nick because, like I said, I did always worry about Nick because he was kind of gullible and stuff. Yeah. But I tried to give him his space and let him be an adult without, you know, because I wanted him to know that I trusted him and he had what it took to live his life mm-hmm. just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, the pandemic happened, and I work at a hospital, so they had asked us not to leave town. Mm-hmm. Um, I live two hours from him, so I wasn't even able to go up and see him anymore. I was going every other weekend to, to go hiking with Nick yeah. and spend time with him, but I guess it was during that time he was down, started working at that Pizza Hut, and he just wanted to make friends. Sure. And that's what I keep going back to, like... He just wanted to make friends. He kept asking people to go for a hike. He wanted to look for a roommate, and everywhere he went, he couldn't. He seemed to run into a wall, you know. But he took that first pill, and to what I understand now is most pills are not even laced. They are fentanyl pills, right, right. and they have a filler. But looking back from that July, I know that that August. I mean, not August. I'm sorry that. October, Nick had became suicidal. That was not like Nick because yeah. Nick was he he was melancholy and things like that, and he liked sad, depressing music. Mm-hmm. That was, but for him to be that wet, you know, suicidal. His brother called me and he said, "You need to come up here." Um, you know, Nick's cut himself, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay," he, you know, immediately he's like, "Don't tell him," and of course I didn't. But he wouldn't show me. Long story short, he cut himself, but it was like up here. And I had convinced him to go to the hospital with me. He kept saying he couldn't sleep. 
he just wanted some medication to help him because he couldn't sleep and he he had been trying to get an appointment at a mental health facility and he couldn't get one. Yeah, that's so common now. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and his brother tried to get one for him too and they wouldn't let him because he was not him. So how, how long was this happening prior to his passing? Six months. Okay. So this would be like considered a, a red flag or some type of a reaching out, now, you know, Yeah. in yes. hindsight, you know, we have the yes. benefit now, you and I have the benefit along with yes. hundreds of thousands of other parents have the benefit of hindsight to kind of look back here and analyze the situation. Absolutely. But yeah, I agree with you. We took Seth to a psychologist, um, but this was, you know, going on six years, it was mm -hmm. easier to get in. Fentanyl wasn't even, I, I didn't even know fentanyl was six years ago. Right. Uh, and right. I think the year he died, there was 46,000 deaths in the United States, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's coming up on almost tripling, you know, probably by the end of this year, we'll be pushing 120. I'm guessing, I don't know. It's, yeah, the I haven't, I, think, I haven't heard the numbers for this year, but I know last year, 105,000 people right. died. Yeah. So it's and, at least double just in five yeah. years. And, and I can't see anything indicating that this is going to change. Unfortunately, no. um, no. what's happening is in that, you know, the cartels are a corporation. So, mm -hmm. and they're, they're smart, you know, I'm, I'm not going to yep. pat them on the back, but you know, they're, they're billion dollar corporations and mm -hmm. they are already seeing fentanyl being, you know, heavy focus on fentanyl. So they're already now through the Chinese working on what are called mm -hmm. precursor chemicals, trying to develop mm -hmm. a stronger fentanyl. And they actually have now there's one called ISO on the market. That's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 times stronger than fentanyl which is almost like impossible to even imagine because all it right. takes is two milligrams of fentanyl to potentially kill you. Right. And so the, the alarming thing for me is, and I hate to be like a, a downer on this idea, but you know, sure. There's a lot of emphasis on fentanyl, but man, the, the cartels are going to be so far ahead of us and they're going to be moving on to something else. And I think we really need to be focused as advocates to be able to switch gears midstream and, and focus on the next new fentanyl that's coming down the road because you you know it's coming. I mean, right. there's too much money at play. There's way too much money at play. And then there's this thought too that they don't want to make money off of them. They're doing it to kill people. Like I, I've heard that these, as well. I've heard that and, as well. And it makes so much sense to me because that's the one thing. Like, why do they do it? Yes, to create instant addicts that they wouldn't have had before. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with the Nick taking that pill then instantly it's more. so strong yeah. right i believe that he did start to battle an addiction and he didn't even know it during well, that, that pill wouldn't have done right. it to him another one next week would have eventually right. eventually he would have hit one with fentanyl eventually. right right and i know in october that's what i kept going back to that was it's been very difficult for me to know that i had him in the hospital but i had no idea that he had taken any pills. He refused to take, uh, uh, you know, a urinalysis or anything. Sure. But Nick was very logical person. Mm -hmm. And this nurse that was with him was arguing with him. Mm -hmm. And I know Nick, and plus Nick's in crisis. So she was making the situation a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And and I was trying to, you know, calm him down and talk to him. But he was just like, give me a good reason. And that's normal mm -hmm. for Nick. Yeah. He would, if you had a valid reason that he understood. Sure. So to me, and I kept going back to it because now, of course, I know that that was probably a, related to, to drugs. And mm -hmm. I, I, I now know in Kentucky, there's something called Casey's Law, which means when someone is on drugs or alcohol and they're a danger to themselves or they don't realize what they're doing and they're harming themselves, you can petition the court to have them mandated to go to, to rehab and they get a choice of rehabilitation or jail. Mm -hmm. And if they go to jail, they can change their mind and, and go to rehab. But, gotcha. but, but see, I had no idea. And what bothers me, of course, was like looking back thinking I could have, I could have, I could have saved him. I could have saved him. I could have had him go to rehab. You know, that would yeah. have, should have, could have. And, yeah. and I'm, I mean, I know in my, in, in my mind that that's not true because right. I mean, there's so many people that have, you know. Any consolation, our son had a six-year 
battle and he was in rehab and he went to all that stuff. He had the drunk drivings. He was actually in prison before he died. And I thought prison would be his rock bottom. I mean, I was talking to my friends that, you know, everybody hits a rock bottom. You just don't want rock bottom to be deaf. Right. And anymore, that's exactly it. There is no rock bottom. Right. Because it's rock bottom is death. Right. Right. And that's where you and I and Mm -hmm. all these other just, I call you guys Avengers, you know, like superheroes for me in my eyes. I know you don't feel that way. And I know I don't feel that way about what I'm doing, but in reality, what we are doing by going on podcasts and being, being vulnerable. I mean, you, what you've done in, in just, and I'll be honest with you in less than a year, I, I wasn't in the place where you are at. I'm going on six years. This October will be six years. Right. Now my wife died in June of alcoholism. So that's a lot more raw and fresh for me right. with my mom on top of that in November. Um, and so those two deaths are, are more recent, but my son's death is now going on six years. So I'm, I'm a little acclimated, I guess is a better way I've adapted into my story. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but I have to ask you a question and I feel like I can, because you and I are in the same boat, Yeah. but I know his one year anniversary is coming up Yeah. and self-care is -hmm. the most important thing for you and I making sure that we take care of ourselves. What are you going to do on that day to not just honor Nick, but to make sure that you're going to be okay that day? Well, that's a good point that you talk about self-care. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I definitely see the, the, the lining of meeting people. And, and I remember the first time I talked to you, you mentioned that. And some of the things you had mentioned really resonated. But um, I haven't really been taking care of myself as far as physically, like exercising. and th- I used to do it every day. I've gained yeah. 34 pounds. Um, for for four months, I, I really just couldn't get off the couch. I didn't yeah. know what was happening. And I didn't force myself for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. I've always forced myself to do things I didn't. Mm-hmm. But with this, I refuse. I refuse to, to just push forward like mm-hmm. nothing's happening. So I honor my pain and I allow myself to feel my pain. I reach out. I talk about it. And if people don't want to hear it, then I let them go on and about their life. And I don't deal with that anymore. But as far as the day that's coming up, it'll be April 23rd. So what I did is I wrote in to national day and because Nick's love of hiking and our connection and Nick's really connected with nature and people, it was, it was his church. Like he could, he, everything about it, you know, that was, where he connected with life. And your pictures, hiking. by the way, are amazing. I mean, I, I feel like I know Nick just by the yeah, way you, you. you you really do a good job in honoring him in a, in a tasteful way. And the, the post you make are just um, like a lot of the moms out there that are, that are doing right. these things. Amazing. But go ahead, talking more a little bit about Well, I, um, I petitioned to have National take a hike with Nick Day. I mm, made great. a request and it was approved. So... Now, April 23rd is National Take a Hike with Nick Day. And Nick <laughs> liked Juice World, and Juice World also died from addiction. Yep. And Juice World yep. had the saying of 666999 yeah. take something terrible and turn it into something good. Right. Um, and Nick was actually upset when Juice World died. And Nick, Nick didn't do that. He was very disconnected from emotional things. Mm-hmm. He, he understood them intellectually, sure. but, but that was one thing that he was actually upset about. Um, he, he had a hard time with that. But anyway, we had that day now turned into that. And his sister Hannah is helping me um, with Instagram where she works at REI. They've been um, hmm. advertising it and things like that. And I go and talk to people in rehabilitation centers it's what I've done pretty much since a few, after a few months, my cousin, Anthony, who is nine years clean from heroin and he works at a facility. He invited me early on to come talk to these people and they have given me hope. They give me something to fight for. They give Nick's story and what happened to him purpose and meaning and I connect with them so deeply and I fight so fiercely for them because, you know, Nick might not have 
been what's traditionally called a, a an addict. Um, but he he could have been. He he ended right. up doing it. Right. Um, right. You know he did. I don't see it. And my son's death wasn't investigated. He was looked at as a drug addict. I would call the police and beg them and tell them, like, someone murdered my son. You know, they killed him. He took a half a pill. How is that? How is that a drug overdose? Right. When he took, and I say a half a pill not to differentiate him from anyone else, but to let people know it only takes a half a pill. And that's what I tell them at the rehabs, too, because a lot of them don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know it's in the heroin. They don't know it's in the cocaine. They don't know it's there. They're just battling this disease, which I see as something that they've had to do alone and their families alone. And that, to me, is unacceptable. Well, I'm going to give you some good news okay. in that, that again, I have the advantage that I have a lot of time now under my right. belt to figure this, to kind of adapt. I'm not going to say it gets better, but I'm going to say it gets different. Mm-hmm. And like I like to tell people, I cry probably more. You know, I don't cry less, mm-hmm. but the weight of the tears are, are so different. You know, yeah. it used to be I cried and it just ripped my heart out. And like mm-hmm. you said, on the floor in a fetal position, you know, just you can't get any lower other than death, basically. No. And, you know, and, and, and yeah. I will tell you, though. Little by little. Now, it took me 14 months, Angela. I, I, my, I was a functional alcoholic my whole life from literally eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And when Seth died, my wife and I just, we stay, I stayed home. I drank and drank and we both just drank. And she ended up actually losing her life due to right. the, the alcohol from the grief. And right. um, in my case, on, it took me 14 months. But on December 24, 2017, I just got up one morning from a hangover. I said, enough's enough. I I'm done being tired. I'm tired of being tired. I'm sick of being sick. I drew a line in the sand and I quit. I lost 40 pounds like mm-hmm. in a year, year and a half. And, and, and again, so, you know, what, what you're going through is what, 11 months into this. I mean, it's, yeah. it's perfectly normal and accepted and it's okay to grieve your own way. And and you right. may take two years, you may take two more weeks to, to, right. to kind of have that pivot where, you just kind of wake up and say, okay, now you've done that with your never alone Nick initiative. So let's, that's how you yeah. and I met. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. I, I joined a couple Facebook rooms. Mm-hmm. I still like them, but I don't like to be on them very long. Cause to me, they just, they, they just, especially when people get toxic in there and, and um, yeah. there's some bantering back and forth. And I, I just yeah. have no desire to get into that. Right. And your story out of all the ones I saw really, I saw this, this lady lost a son and she's doing these shirts and she's doing it, you know, non-financial reasons. And it's like yeah. probably losing money on this deal. I am. Yeah. And so, and so I reached <laughs> out and hey, I said, do you have Iowa taken? And you said, uh, no, not yet. And I said, well, you do now. So you reached out to me. I sent you the information on Seth. And then lo and behold, like two weeks later, I opened up this package and I just started bawling. I thought, oh my God, this is the coolest thing that anyone's ever done for me. And so your Never Alone Nick initiative is so awesome. Why don't you spend some time on how you came up with this idea? And then we're going to segue into your slightly little famous now with uh, what happened. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk a bit about that. uh, Awesome. Which is great for awareness. Um, Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So... Um, on Nick's laptop, we had found um, a tattoo he was working on. I actually got it. It's mm. this. Never. It says Never Alone. I don't know if you can see it. But yeah, I can. That's yep. it. And his sister's got it too. And and Nick had been suicidally depressed the last few weeks of his life. And yeah. he was telling all of his friends. Mm. And none of them told me. Oh, wow. None. They tried to play counselor with it and things like that. And I've, I saw the messages originally, but I forgot. But what sure. this started from was the never alone thing. And I knew that he had felt alone. I knew that he had been suicidal. I was processing all of that. My cousin Anthony had invited me down to the rehab um, facility. I really connected with them. 
I couldn't get the police to do anything. I couldn't get anybody to care. I felt alone, all alone. I created my group. It was coming up on Christmas. So I thought, I can't get my son anything for Christmas. He's dead, you know? So I tried to raise money to make some shirts, and I was going to donate them. Well, that didn't go well. Like, nobody donated, you know? And then I realized after I got fired from that job, I got a job making twice as much money. So I could afford to buy these shirts myself. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have it up front, but I just put it on my credit card and I was going to buy them just to do that. Then I got the idea, well, I'd like to have everybody have one, at least somebody in every state. Like, wouldn't that be cool if I got to let everybody have one, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just kind of made an announcement and then other parents started getting involved and doing that. And then they would, they felt connected to it. And then I started putting the names on there and Mm -hmm. it just, and I created the little thing where it said to say Nick and Mm -hmm. never alone. And it helped me to feel like he was with these people versus being alone in life. You know, can you um, give me two minutes I'm going to run upstairs and grab my shirt. Okay. And I, this is going so well, I don't want to redo the podcast, but uh, Molly can edit this part out. So I made a note for her at the 30 minute mark okay. to pause it. I'm, okay. I just feel like, oh my God, how did I forget to put this shirt on? So I'm going to go grab my <laughs> shirt. So just hold on. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm just going to, Molly's going to have to make it look like I like transformed into something. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to pause for a second, then I'll just jump in. So, so. Anyone watching this just saw me basically turn into somebody different. I actually, going through this podcast, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't want to retape this because you're doing such a good job and this is going so good that I had to go grab my shirt. So this is my Never Alone Seth shirt and I received this from you. And again, going back to this story. So when I reached out to you about Iowa, you were still building momentum. So How many, do you have all the states done right now? Well, this is my map. I don't know if you can see it, but I have pins in there. We both have maps, by the way. I know, (laughs) but hang on, I can show you. We're so similar, it's crazy. That's awesome. And I got pins in mine too, I love it. So you got some people in multiple, you got multiple shirts in states then. Yeah, so I have at least, I have someone in every single state except I did not get North Dakota. Okay. I did not get Wyoming. Okay. Or Maine. But every other state including I'll help you. including Alaska and Hawaii, I got someone in every state. Well, so, with our tour coming up, I can certainly find yeah. someone for you in those areas, but And it's just been an amazing journey. I've connected with people and I feel connected with people all across the United States. I feel Nick connected all across the United States with all these people. And I've heard them talk about their kids and knowing how my son Nick felt so alone the last few weeks, Mm. months of his life. And I know that was the drugs now, but, but either way he did. And now I'm like, He's with these people that are really cool. You mm. really love hanging out with them. Yeah. Like they love guitars. They like skating. Yeah. They like deep conversations. They like hiking. You know, yeah. they'll teach him some new stuff. They're funny. Yeah. You know, these these people that Nick's with now, they make me feel okay that he's not alone. Like he felt alone in life the last few months of his life, but knowing that he's with these people that I love them. Like, I don't know your Seth, but I love him. I I don't know how to explain it other than I just know, I just love yeah. them. And you were talking about um, connecting a mom. Um, she mentioned to me today, it kind of segues into what I'm doing now, which is that whole um people magazine article that just came out yeah. about fentanyl yep um can you show us the yes picture? yes faces of fentanyl epidemic and it's on this is the cover bruce willis yeah. and then there's another page that's luca as yep. we know 
That's Amanda's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Amanda yeah. actually just posted today as my as my podcast guest. Awesome. And then there's my Nick right there. Okay. Right there. Yeah. And there's so many moms. And I actually got um, the contact from another dad through the shirt. Um, he was my Wisconsin dad. And you, I see more moms doing this. I do. I see a well, what's, lot. What's more. up with that? Well, I can't speak to that, but I can tell you the dads that I do see are pretty involved and pretty awesome. I only know, besides you, um, two other dads mm-hmm. involved. All the rest are moms that I know. Um, but you, they have done amazing things. Have you ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Steve Grant? No. You have South Carolina done, right? Uh, yes. And you do, do you ever do multiple shirts in the same state? Oh, I have sent multiple shirts well, in many, Steve, many states. Yeah. Steve Grant's the first person I met in my journey after Seth died. Mm-hmm. I saw Steve was being interviewed in the Wall Street Journal because, and this is amazing. Steve lost both of his only two sons to overdose. Right. 20 years ago four years apart, four or five years apart before there was any therapy groups and, and face room chats. And he's like, the only, the only person I knew that had a dead child was my other child. Right. He goes, I didn't know anyone else. Right. And so Steve was out there basically in the forefront with no support. You and I can pick up the phone and I could talk for a hundred hours and get help. Yeah. Um, but Steve is out in South Carolina and he, runs the Chris and Kelly Hope Foundation, and they've raised over a million dollars. They've given out a million dollars to his foundation. And Steve wrote a book called um, Don't Forget Me. And Ooh. that's what his son, one of his sons used to say. Um, and it's a great book. I've read it twice. But Steve is like one of the people I met early in my journey that made me realize, you know, hey, I got two of my three boys still here. Yeah, He lost his only two. Right. You know, who, who am I to be throwing a big pity party every day and feeling bad for myself when he's, he's, he lost his marriage over it, but he remarried and, and he's, he's in his mid sixties. He's, he's successful, but it's like, you can survive and not just survive. Right. You can thrive after these horrific events because Angela, that's the only road you can take. The other road is not, is not a good road. It would end up in right. you and I, you and I end up in our deaths. Dead. Yeah, because that was the thing at first. That was just like, how could God kill my son and not me? Like, I was pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still alive and my son is gone. It doesn't make sense. How can mm-hmm. Nick be? And then he's not. And I spent a lot of time searching for Nick, just calling for him constantly. Mm-hmm. My body searched for him mm-hmm. constantly. And, and, and it still does a little. But now, with what I'm doing, I feel him in it. And a mom told me, like, about this article. She was one, I told some other people about it, and they're in it. And Mm -hmm. I'm super excited. But this particular mom, um, her daughter, Leisha, they're they're from New York. Um, Well, I was having a really bad night in my group, and that's where I go for support because, like I said, you know, I don't really have family support or even really a lot of close friends that are able to right. show up for me. To relate to you. Yeah. 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 So she, I was just like, nobody cares, you know, and this isn't working and I'm doing all of this and my son is still dead and no one cares. I can't get, nothing's changing, you know, and she messaged me and she said, I know Nick because of you, just like you said earlier that, you know, Nick, because of me. And that to me meant everything because Nick is alive in what I do. And uh, some, my, my son's girlfriend messaged me today. She said, wow, it's like Nick is still here. And I said, yeah, as long as I'm alive, Nick will be here. I want to take that for a second and kind of talk a little bit about that because mm-hmm. when Seth died, I ran into this issue with there's some people that kind of wanted it to, you know, he wanted his, they didn't really want to talk about him. It was yeah. too painful, too raw. Mm-hmm. And that became a cancerous 
emotion that just picked away at him, picked away at him because they'd never released anything. Yeah. So, um, in my case, I, in my book, when I, when I wrote my book, I talk about me chasing Seth. Yeah. Seth, Seth's not behind me. He's not, he's not dead behind me. He metaphorically I'm chasing him. And I know like that dog chasing the van that I'm never going to catch the van. And if I ever caught Seth, I wouldn't know what I would do. So it's like, to me, it's like that. I'm, it's like a goal. It's like, I'm chasing him. And you're right. I, I feel like the only way Seth doesn't die is mm -hmm. if I stop, if I continue talking about him, he doesn't die. Right. And so like on my watch, I'm not going to allow that to happen. He's right. got a, he's got a, a five-year-old granddaughter. His daughter was born three weeks after he died. I mean, think about that three mm -hmm. weeks. And when I see her, I see a lot of Seth, but I also am very cognizant that I need to start at some point acclimating her about her dad and what happened. So we talk every day. She, she's here right now, actually. She's at the neighbors playing with some two, two girlfriends and, uh, she's awesome. She, she, her name's Brighton. So I always say, Hey, Brighton, you brighten my life. Aww, um, so but I, you know, as grandpa, I feel obligated to make sure that she understands all the great things about her dad, but also yeah. the choices he made. And I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. So I think yeah. when you have, when you have children involved of, of these, these yeah. people have lost their lives to what we dealt with. Um, I think there's a, you have to kind of dance around it a little bit, especially when they're five. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure how clear a child at that age understands Well, they don't understand death, but you know, if, if they're 15, if you haven't had these talks, then I think that that's, that that's a problem. You know, that's right. when they start coming at you and they're angry and you know, why didn't you tell me? And yeah. so, you know, I don't know this. I talk about collateral damage, Angela, a lot. And there's 800 people in the United States a, a day. Think about the statistics a day that die from overdose, suicide, and alcohol abuse, 800 a day. Well, look, what look what one death did in, in your family. Mm -hmm. Look, look at the carnage and the, and the disruption yeah. and not just for a generation, but for the next one and the year after, and the ones after that, mm -hmm. well, Seth's the same way. And these are just two deaths. Yeah. Imagine 800 a day. Right. You know, in the, in the United 4, States. 4,000 in a year. And you sit there and you're thinking mm -hmm. to yourself, okay, um, there's a lot of people out there hurting. Not just the ones that yeah. obviously passed away, but the right. ones that are left behind, mm -hmm. you know? And so we have to learn as a society to deal with grief, to deal with trauma, to exactly. find coping mechanisms so mm -hmm. you and I can live productive lives. We can- right. I tell people all the time, we live for the living, we honor the dead. Right. You know, and sometimes that, it gets, it gets flip-flopped and people spend all their time in a negative way. Right. You know, um, I don't know. I just, I think what a, what a learning experience this has been for me, you know, yeah. it really and I read has. your, I read your book. I, well, I listened to it. I, I got, oh, good. The, I, I got the audible. You read it to me. So yeah, yeah that was good. And thank good. you for the copy. I love that. But yes, I did listen to it. Cause I, I try to keep busy with what I'm doing. I, mm -hmm. I create videos and graphics and I work a full-time job and it helps me to feel like Nick's story is doing something and it is. it is making a difference and I connect with so many hurting people and for mm -hmm. me the big my big passion is people in recovery and how bad they're treated because I recently had an interaction well I, I'm friends now with some people like in recovery, former heroin addicts. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, if you told me a year ago, all my best friends would be former heroin addicts, I would be like, no way, <laughs> no way. But I love them and they're amazing yeah. and they're awesome. Um, yeah. But they had tagged me on something and this woman basically made the comment about how my son's death was like God weeding him out because he shouldn't have taken a prescription oh, that wasn't his. And you know, this is, this is me. And, and I shared it on my Facebook, you might've saw it. And I do it because I have purposes in what I do. Number right. one, I want to educate people about fentanyl and let them know, I believe it to be a, a weapon of mass destruction. Mm -hmm. There's enough fentanyl 
currently in this country to kill every single person here. Right. This is no accident. I believe this is purposeful and targeted to kill our people. I mean, you can see it all around you in the restaurants. People are like, oh, people are lazy. They don't want to work or they're getting government money. No, they're dead. You can't mm -hmm. kill 104,000 people in one year and not notice it. Right. They're dead. This is this is very concerning. The DEA puts out warnings all the time about this, you know. And what's... So I'm trying to educate people about fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And then I want to end stigma and shame. So I shared that story to give it a face. I called it a feeling. I had the feeling when people, I told them how my son died. They look at me, they give me the look like, mm. you know, like, oh. And it, they acted as if somehow my son mattered less. His death didn't deserve attention mm -hmm. or anything because he was a drug addict and he did it to himself. He deserved to die. Yeah, it, And that's not okay with me. And what I'm fighting back with is that's your stigma. Now it has a face. I'm not going to be ashamed. Right. No, I, I, there's so many stigmas and labels and there's so many things mm -hmm. we can, we could, we could discuss. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to say that the people like you taking this, this event that happened, trying to find something positive, you know, and then I speak like you to many people doing the same things. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of what I call them solo people that kind of on their own, they're working mm -hmm. and. I'm a little fortunate in my position because I have a team on li my living undeterred has four people. Yeah. And so I can accomplish a lot at this mm -hmm. point, but I think collectively, it, you know, you being a part of our story and vice versa, right. and, uh, we can get, we can get some momentum going down, downhill and, and, and bring a lot of awareness to this, but awareness, awareness itself isn't going to change anything. Right. I mean, yeah. there's plenty of examples where knowing mm -hmm. more actually makes it worse. Yeah. Um, and so we had to figure out a way to find actionable items and find, find out the reasons why people are taking these things in the first place. Is exactly. it, is it there, is it they're escaping a childhood that they can't deal with, or maybe they're right. escaping a demon that's in their head or metaphorically that is, or mm -hmm. someone who is exploring, maybe they're straight A student football player. They're like, Hey, I just, uh, I've never been high. I, what the heck? I want to try it. You know, they're not, right. they're, so we just assume every addict is running away from something. A lot of times right. they're not, they're just, they're just exp exploring. I mean, I was an alcoholic right. and I never was exploring anything. And my getting mm -hmm. drunk was just to get drunk. And I wasn't trying to run away from a traumatic childhood or a bad job. I had a great job. My marriage right. was great. I, I, was just a, I, I just liked getting drunk. You know, I was a teen mom, you know, I, I did, I got, I had a 16 year old mom here not Nick, but I got married and had my oldest son when I was 16 and you know talk about experimenting and come, like I can't, where I come from and where I worked myself to be are completely different so I tried really hard to educate my kids and do this and that and the other but then also I can't deny the fact that they had they did go through trauma you know me and their dad did Ha there was trauma involved. He was an active cocaine user, and I didn't know. Yeah. And when I said that at a, a meeting recently, I'm like, wow, how similar. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that Nick had been using, yeah. and I didn't know that my ex husband had been using, you know? I'm going to have you hold that thought a second. My battery is running low, and I noticed my charger fell out of the wall. So hold on a second. Okay. I don't want it to end here towards the end. I'm not sure. Okay. It's going good now. So I'll Molly will edit that out too. So, okay. so that, that was at the, what the 50 minute mark. Okay. Um, well, uh, I guess, okay. So we're talking about uh, so many moving parts here and, right. you know, one of the things that I, I have learned about this in incredible journey that I've been thrust into mm -hmm. is that whether it's fentanyl suicide, alcoholism, you know, whatever it is, these are fall under the mental health umbrella. So mm -hmm. I think 
It's important that we do understand that a lot of these issues stem from underlying mental health issues that were either misdiagnosed, not diagnosed, or, or inaccurately treated. You know, in our case, our son was given Adderall for attention deficit, which really Nick started. It started the what I say his exploration stage, mm-hmm. and and he had some issues. I won't talk about him on the show here, but he had some other unresolved issues that that he uh, just hadn't found a way to to work him through. But I think Adderall kind of opened that gate to you know. I feel Adderall is just watered down methamphetamines. I mean, I. I that's really all it is. It's Nick just... took it too. They gave it to him when he was six years old. And oh, I, wow. Wow. I, as someone who, like where I come from, six. I edu- six. Oh, that makes me and so mad. I trust the doctor. Yeah, I did know, too. To know. I did too. So I thought, but Nick would later say, you know, that's meth. Like y'all are giving me meth. Like that was ridiculous. Oh, that makes me and so I'm like, mad. I didn't know. And, and now it's like, wow, I will, I will just say question everything. There don't you go. don't, I, yeah, don't I trust we, anybody. Just we don't want question to indict, everything. We don't want to indict doctors in the medical profession uh, mm-hmm. and, and throw them under the bus. First of all, my dad's a doctor. So of course yeah. I don't want to do that. But I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, a, a doctor can say, you know, okay, you have attention deficit disorder, which everyone knows my thoughts on that. That word disorder is criminal. I have right. attention. I have attention deficit. It's never been a yeah. disorder for me. It's been, it's yeah. been something that's actually saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we can say, okay, a doctor says that, but my kid doesn't have to, if I, they don't have to believe that. They don't have to believe that. No, it goes back to that X, Y, Z theory that I have, which is basically like you have to be X, Y, and Z in school. And if you're not, you have a problem. Right. And that's the way I see this. I like the way you explain that, by the way. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Thank you. Is that if you can't be X, Y, and Z, you're, we're constantly telling them to change. And then you have moms or whoever like me that are like, no, you're an A. It's okay to be an A, but in school and around your dad and that church, pretend like you've got it. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's insane. Me and Nick had a talk about this. Um, we were on a hike after he graduated from college and we, we had to talk about it. And he basically, I was like, you know, talking about some things that had happened when he was young. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, uh, that shouldn't have happened. And I had an opportunity to say, and I was like, you know, I was just doing this because your dad and he stopped. He was like, you know, everything's not his fault. Mm-hmm. And that really saw me and and I cried even not like to get sympathy but it it hit Mm -hmm. me because he was right you know Mm -hmm. he was teaching me he was always teaching me something right you know what I mean it's just amazing to me I look at the fact that I got to be his mom and it's not long enough you know yeah it's not long enough but I got to be his mom and I can't I'm not, I've heard people say about like, um, making them into something bigger than they are. I don't do that about Nick. What I say is just the way he, he is, you know, and I say is because Nick is, he, he will never be was what is always will be. And Nick is just, he's now that I can feel him and what Mm -hmm. I'm doing, it helps me. It helps me. It gives me strength. And people say, thank you. You know, how do you do all this? You've done this, 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 and this. And mm-hmm. I can't do this. And I say to them, well, first of all, if we were all doing the same thing, we wouldn't get anything done. Right. You're right, doing right. this. And you, I don't do it alone. The fact that you support what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm not alone. I'm not doing it alone. You're wearing that shirt. <laughs> I'm not doing this by myself. And when I'm upset and I reach out to my group and they give me that support, mm-hmm. I'm not alone because prior to this, I have to say, I did feel alone most of my mm-hmm. life. And it's almost like Nick has given me the gift to show me that I'm not alone. Yeah. I, I always say that you, you learn or we think that our kids, how do I say that? Our kids are supposed to learn from us. Right. But in our case, I'm still yeah. learning from Seth. But I will say Absolutely. this. I will say this, Angela. You're no less a mom now just because yeah. he's not here. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs you more than ever. And 
I look at Seth the same way. I'm no less a dad just because he's not here. Exactly. And Seth needs me as if he was 28 today, you know, this right. year. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not going to change until I'm off this planet. And then maybe he, you know, maybe our book, maybe in my memory too, will we'll, people will forget about me down the road. But in the meantime, I'm going to do what I can to mm-hmm. not, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day and the RV that we're going around the country with, uh, yeah. starts in 30 and starts in a month. I don't know when this is going to, yeah, I don't know when this is going to post, but we'll probably already be on the road. But I was saying the other day, I said, you know, it's going to be myself, my two boys and my, one of my son's girlfriends mm-hmm. and another friend of mine by the name of Mike Pierce. He goes mm-hmm. by Antarctic Mike on social media. I think I talked to him. Today. He's great. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. a big advocate of what we're doing. He doesn't have awesome. any kids, but he's been through some personal traumatic things. And right. But I was talking about, you know, this RV is going to be flying down the interstate. And I said, think how many kids are in this RV with us. I mean, Nick's in the RV with us. Mm-hmm. Seth's in the RV with us. Yeah. Lucas is in the R or, or Lucas in the RV with us. You yeah. Know, Amanda's son. It's like, the RV is going to be full of kids and, and yeah. even adults in their thirties and forties. And, you know, it's not going to, I'm not going to be alone. I'm never going to be no. alone. No. You know, I'm surrounded by the, the love from the living, but right. the, the, the strength from the dead, yeah. you know, and, and, and we need to continue with what we're doing mm-hmm. unabated and, you know, and, um, have our bad times and, uh, know that yeah. you're a phone call away. Uh, I've called, I've, I've <laughs> I've, I've used the dial a friend many times. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally to get me off yeah. the ledge, Me uh, too. you know, and, and I, I fully tell my friends when they be my new friends that come into my life, you know, expect you may get a call. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think that's the, the circle I, <laughs> I was telling my son, I go, you know, the old rumor is the older you get, your circle of friends starts to dwindle. Mine's yeah. a funnel flipped upside down. Yeah. My, mine's getting bigger, you know, that's awesome. I told Isn't it? I, I tell people now, like, especially if it's like my daughter, that's my, she is my best friend, um, Nick's younger sister, but I will say, um, can you hear this right now? Because Mm -hmm. I, I, like, if she asks me a question, I'm like, I'm going to be very emotional about it. Are you going to be able to hear this right now? And no is a complete sentence. And sometimes she says no. And I'm like, thank you for telling me, you know, and then I'll talk it out with someone and then I can come back later and talk to her. How's the rest of your kids taken Nick's death? Yeah. So, um, Hannah, that's, she's doing her, um, therapy and stuff. And Mm -hmm. she and I are talk and we're close and she's working on the, um, take a hike with Nick day. She's working on designing a logo for it. We're thinking about starting a, a nonprofit called the never alone Nick Rucker foundation, just for doing stuff like this Mm -hmm. period. That was it just to kind of give it a name. Um, and then his older brother, Brandon, he has kids and, you know, he works and I ask him all the time, like, how's your mental health? Are you taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself? How can I show up for you? How can I support you? Do you have Mm -hmm. everything you need? And he's like, mom, I promise you if my mental health's not well, I'll let you know. Right. Um, And my oldest daughter, Courtney, she doesn't really tell me anything. She doesn't really really like me that much, to be quite honest. But that's okay. You know, some that's just that's fun i love the fact that she gets to to choose that yeah good. and that's okay and and we she will talk to me and let me you know hang out with the kids and stuff so and then i was at my son's house brandon the other day and i was said something and his youngest son christopher said well that's what uncle nick would did and I just start crying. I'm like, oh my God, he just is talking about Uncle Nick. I thought he had forgotten him because he's only mm. two years old. Oh, she wow. said, we will not ever let him forget Nick. Because he's like, that's my family up there. He was pointing at, <laughs> and that's my Uncle Nick. And I'm like, that's I awesome. just started crying. Yeah. And she was like, we will never let him forget his Uncle yeah. Nick. And because Nick loved those kids he was good with kids sure. just like the pure of heart you know good with kids and 
that was pretty awesome. Um, as far as everybody else, I don't really know because, like I said, I don't talk to them. They haven't reached out to me since yeah. Nick died, and and it's probably best for me that way. My my brother was kind of directly involved in what happened, and yeah, you know. So for me, I just look at it like this is the way it's working out for me and, and I'm following where he's leading me. And, and I do have a really big heart for recovery and those mm-hmm. in recovery because they, they were so humbled by us. A couple of us moms went to talk to them and they were just like, they didn't know, you know, like how number one, how bad it was or how mm-hmm. much their death would impact their mother or mm-hmm. their loved ones. And, you know, I'm just greatly humbled by it. And we're going back on June 3rd and we're going to talk to all of them at this big um, place in Somerset, Kentucky on June 3rd. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm super excited about that. And I take stories from other parents who have had kids that suffered from the substance use disorder and their stories of how much they love their kids. And I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot of these things because the media and everything tells you people on drugs are homeless people and they don't have families and they don't care. And that is such a lie. That's actually not true at all. They're very loved. and, And the old paradigm of hitting rock bottom is no mm. longer going to work. I look for cancer and disease. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And it's like this. I heard this said the other day. It's like saying nowadays, it's like saying, wait till you have stage four cancer, then do something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. They need help right away. Right. And I am proud that Kentucky is a state that allows people to get Medicaid and things like that. But I've heard horror stories like you you can't be clean for so many days and get into a rehab. Well, I saw a stat that Kentucky had a 49% increase in drug overdose deaths in 2020. Yeah. You know, that's, that's higher in Iowa, um, by, by mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I just got the stats for the County where Nick does 160% oh, in, in the year that he yeah. had, you well, know, and, and that's no accident. Yeah, we we certainly have a long ways to go. I mean, as long as you and I are alive, uh, yeah, this issue isn't going going away. But it's certainly, mm-hmm. you know, we we can do our best best part. But I love what you're doing. I admire what you're doing. Uh, I think you're you're a role model and a mentor to anybody that's in this club. I like to call it a club. I'm sorry, but that's the yeah. only thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. And for those new members that unfortunately are going to be joining this club here inevitably mm-hmm. every day, right? they're all going to be looking for who are the role models, right. who are the ones that did not just survive, but are doing something. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you and I and Amanda and all Steve and all the people that are out there uh, collectively and all the moms that have lost uh, children to suicide and, you know, myself losing a spouse to alcohol abuse. And it's like, you know, I used to think that I was in a canoe you know, paddling by myself. Yeah. And then after doing this for five years now, going on six years, I realized I'm in a big freaking boat. Yeah. I'm in a huge boat full of mm-hmm. literally millions of people that are so many. You know, the collateral damage, the people left behind. And, you know, you think of, you just take suicide, for example, think of the ones that actually take their own lives, but think of the mm-hmm. ones that attempt it mm-hmm. and don't, mm-hmm. you know, think of that in that family dynamic, you know, that mom's always wondering any phone call I get, you know, and it's just something has to give something has to give. And so Mm -hmm. I think, um, let me end with this. I, I, I would very much appreciate it. Well, first of all, I know you're going to be helping us on the tour and we're trying to get, uh, involved in, in, um, a state partner in your area. Uh, certainly have you be our advocate or, or on the panel as well, but, on the anniversary of of Nick's passing, mm-hmm. I would I would really appreciate if you could uh, remind me or reach out to me or do something where I can wear this shirt that full day. And take on a hike with Nick. What's that? And take a hike with Nick. Yeah, send me the information on that. If you the can, people you, at the recovery center are actually who are able to go out are going with me. So I was so worried that no one was going to do anything. And now, well, send like, me the people, information. I will. They're, yeah, like, and, people and are going to be doing it. You can take a hike with Nick anywhere. So. Right. And right. So mm-hmm. I, I, and I'd love to. What day is that? 
April 23rd. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the take a hike with Nick Day? Yep. National okay. take a hike with Nick Day. Okay. Just mm-hmm. make sure you reach out to me because I want to I want to stop and pause during the yeah. tour. Maybe yeah. I'll just get you on a quick, uh, quick, um, yeah, that'd be uh, awesome. Five or 10 minute update. And, right. uh, I'll wear the shirt. Awesome. Um, you know, maybe I could, uh, I could get a couple shirts from you, uh, for my boys and for the Absolutely. people on our tour. Yes. Um, I love that. I matter of fact, that. let's plan on doing yeah. that. I'd like let's to get it. everybody, everybody on the RV that day wearing, wearing, uh, never alone. Seth shirts would be great. Yes. Just message me, um, the info and sizes and I will definitely, take care of that. And I'd love to do that. I love the connection we have. And you said something about our, our group, you know, our club, and I call it like a lot of people, it's a club that I don't want you in. Like, I don't want you in it. I will push you down and hurt your feelings and, and fight you to keep you out if it's what it takes. But once you're in, you know, this, like, I love these people. I and you know where I'm coming from. I know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Your child is not gone as long as I'm here and I can see them mm-hmm. through what you're doing. And I, I understand that by hearing other parents say it to me. And mm-hmm. it's like I felt alone before and I was sometimes had doubt and, and felt bad. And now it's like, you don't have time for that. If you got to come over here and do this, this, and this, and like, you're right. I do. I need, I need to go do these things. Oh uh, yeah. I, I gotta do this. Well, listen, thanks for your time. Uh, how, how can people reach you? What's the easiest way? Probably my Facebook page. Okay. Um, I had just started an Instagram one, but I'll be honest, my daughter has helped me with that quite a bit. I'm my not... kids help me with all my the, the, yeah, the kitty, so... <laughs> uh, stuff, Snap, Snapchat, Instagram, right. all that. I have a page called, um, it's okay not to be okay, unconditional love and accept yourself. But it's really just stuff I post on about what's going on with fentanyl and the DEA warnings and other parent stories. So how do you go on Facebook? How do you go mm-hmm. by if someone were to find you? Um, under Angela Marie. Okay. And if you do hashtag never alone, Nick, you'll find me, you'll see, uh, Angela Marie. If you hashtag in, uh, never alone, Nick, and you know, okay. the hashtags that come up, you'll see Angela Marie and you'll be easy. It'll be easy to find me. And, um, yeah, currently well, working on a couple of projects I want to get. Maybe, uh, to, so. Seth was really big into rap music and he liked to, you know, do all the, the lyric. When he died, I found a bunch of lyrics. And unfortunately we were in such shock that we ended up throwing a bunch of stuff out, which I really right. regret now, but you yeah. know, what am I going to do? Uh, I right. have enough stuff of him, but there was a lot of rap stuff and things he'd written that, you know, my wife and at the time just made that decision that we just didn't want it around. And, uh, right. but you know, I know right now, Nick and Seth are, are, are writing some type of a rap song to honor I love him it. and they're hanging out with juice world and, yes! you know, and, uh, know. who's the other, who's the other rapper that passed away? Um, the younger, um, kind of like an Eminem protege, uh, uh, uh I, I can't I'm- remember his name. I don't know, but I think of Prince too. Yeah, like Prince, Prince too. <laughs> that, was, that was our generation. But yeah, um, but Nick liked Prince, so. I yeah. Think, yeah. Uh, well, you I know. I can't think of um, the other kid's name though. You know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, make Ditto. sure to reach out to me for a resource. And uh, I, I know our paths will cross many times. So with yeah. that, thank you very much for being on the Living Unattered podcast. And um, you're never alone. Thank you so much. You're never alone either. Appreciate it.